Delight. Thank you for that very warm welcome. And um, you certainly don't believe everything you hear on the internet. <laughs> uh, some people might, but no. Um, you know, thank you so much for leading the worship. Um, sometimes when you're preparing stuff, you think, is this really what God wants me to say? But, you know, some of those songs really tied right in. Like, where, oh, where, oh, where is, there's no sting in death. Yeah. Uh, and I'm surrounded, I feel mm. like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah. So some of these things are going to come out in the message. Wow, so, right. Well, praise the Lord. Hey? Wow, good so, uh, but before we start, um, I just want to introduce you quickly to my family. Or, uh, as some of you may know, uh, I've served in, we've been serving in Mongolia since uh, 2005. We're home on furlough right now, an extended furlough. Yeah. Uh, and this is my family. So... Um, my wife is the one holding the boy in the, the green shirt, and his name is Archer. So he's five years old. My wife's name is Juddle, and many of you have met her. And then there's our daughter in the middle. She's Nag. Her name's Nagi, and she's 17, so she's doing grade 11 at the moment. Wow. So if you think you pray for her, um, you know, she's been thrown into so many new things in the last yeah. year. Yeah. And uh, to study uh, high school in English... Uh, is a big thing for her. So yeah, if you think yeah. to pray for our family, pray Absolutely. for Nagi. Yeah. Uh, then we've got Tamulan, who's uh, in my arms. He's seven in grade one and just a ball of energy uh, and fun. And then, of course, there's me. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's our family. Um, now, just, just to give you a very brief overview of what kind of my wife and I have been involved in Mongolia in the last little bit, um, we'll show you a few slides. So this is a guy named Bayanmuk. And Bayern Munk was actually on the street for six years. Wow. Alcoholic, homeless. He used to drink the hospital spirits that they used to clean your wounds. Oh. Um, anyway, he came to the Lord and I met him when he was fledgling in his faith. And he said to me, Jeff, would you do a Bible study with me? And so uh, he, along with two other guys, uh, we started a Bible study. And then one day he said to me, Jeff, God's given me a vision. And I said, what's the vision? He said, the vision is to... Uh, reach my friends and ex-enemies who are on the street. I said, wow! So God gave him the vision, but we've been walking next to him ever since it started, which was two years wow. and three months ago. And so if we could have the next one. So it started off with just three gears, three, or it started off with just one gear, and then we built up to three, and then now we are building, uh, right now we're building this building, uh, if we show the next one, um, wow. and it's going to be a three-story high building, and as you can see, it's not finished, but they're already living in there. Wow. Uh, it's going to be able to hold 70 people. Oh. And this is for the homeless of Mongolia. Oh, the next photo, uh, while I was there, I was there for the month of June, and I helped with a lot of labouring. But one of the things we also did was bore a well. And, um, you know, we gave them water. But, yeah. of course, we know that it's only uh, he who gives us living water. Yes. So we're able to share about that oh, as well. So and the next photo... Uh, so the guys that we have in this centre, all of them uh, were literally on their deathbed before they came in. So these are the ones who are really going to die if they didn't come in. And Brian Monk actually said to me, he said, Jeff, they're dying today. We've got to rescue them today. We don't have time to waste. And so when we were building, he was actually joking. He said, you know, there's not one person building this building who's complete. Yeah. You know, this guy, you can see his bone. I mean, that he had a terrible ulcer, and yet he was out there, bounded, cleaned it and bounded every night, and he was out there um, still labouring on the building site. 
Another guy, you know, our main bricklayer is missing half a foot because he fell asleep in the snow and it had to get cut off because of frostbite. Other guys are missing fingers. You know, even I had an eye problem at the time. So there wasn't one of us who was complete. And yet God is doing this amazing work. And praise the Lord, we're seeing people come to know and love him. So the next photo too. So while I was there, we took all the guys out. There's about 22 men, four women, and one nine-year-old boy who came with us. And we all went to a beautiful place, 60 kilometers out of the city, next to a river. And we had a fantastic time of fellowship. And I took a student with me from Worldview. And he actually said to me, Jeff, that was the most beautiful worship I've ever heard. And I said, really? He said, it was out of tune. The guitar was missing a string. And it wasn't quite (laughs) in tune. But the fact is that these guys... We're just singing from their hearts. Yeah. You know, they have, they have, they have found hope mm. once again in their lives when their life was completely hopeless. So um, we, we cooked a yummy meal in that. We pressure cooked meat in that canister with hot rocks. Some of us went horse riding. Next photo, we played volleyball. These guys, it's interesting to watch them when they're missing, missing limbs, you know, trying to hobble around <laughs> and get the ball. Um, makes me look really good. lots of fun and then the next photo but you know this is what it's all about this is what it's all about and when we were there we were right next to the river and um and and i'd already talked to byman beforehand saying are there any men who are ready to be baptized he said yes jeff these two are ready to go and he said jeff why don't you baptize them and i said to him no way you baptize them you know i baptized you but you're the one who knows these guys by name. Yeah. You know them. You are yeah. their shepherd. He said, but I'm not a pastor. I haven't been to Bible college. I said, but what pastor do they have mm. apart from you? Right. You know them. You have been the one who's been cleaning their wounds, walking beside them day by day. You know exactly what they've come out of from living on the street. And here you are. You've led them to the Lord. And you know, every morning we have a Bible study with these guys. And every Sunday now, we have a church that meets there as well. And after two years, our goal is for these guys to reintegrate back into society. And after two years, some of them already have. And on Sundays, they're bringing their families to church. So it's just wonderful what, what God is doing. Oh, yeah. Do I have any other... It looks like I'm doing the baptism, but in Mongolia, no one can swim. And so when you do a baptism, you always have to have two people out there in case someone goes <laughs> drifting <laughs> downstream. So, so I was the support guy. I wasn't, uh, yeah, Bindwalk was the one doing it. So, yeah, so it's exciting uh, what's happening in the world these days. So uh, I'm just wondering, do any of you know anyone who worries? <laughs> Maybe it's you. <laughs> do you know any of those people who are like excessive worries? You know, like you just got to have something to worry about. There's, otherwise, you just you know, can't survive something. <laughs> I've got a sister like that. <laughs> uh, she's great. I love her. Um, sorry, I probably shouldn't uh, name names. But, <laughs> but, you know, there's a spot on the child and um, the world's going to come from uh, You know, you go to the doctor, but even so, you go home, you look up Dr. Google, and you've got to worry about every single thing. And, but the doctor gave me this medicine, but it tells me it's got all these side effects, and if I use it, then it's going to happen. And, you know, it's just worry, worry, worry. Um, to the point of you know, some people. In fact, um, I've, I've heard that there are people who are very, very afraid of different things as well. Mm. And uh, do any of you have, are you any of you afraid of something? Apparently in America, 8.7% of all adults 
have a serious phobia or are seriously afraid of something, like to the point of needing help. And so the, the top the top things to be afraid of uh, apparently are spiders. Anyone here afraid of spiders? Spiders, snakes, heights, dogs. Uh, I can understand that in Mongolia. Some Mongolian dogs are pretty dangerous. Um, thunder and lightning, injections, going to social events can be very fearful, can be very frightening. Flying and germs and dirt. These are some of the things that people are seriously afraid of, have phobias about. But you know, there are some things that actually are a lot deeper than that, that people are also very, very afraid of. Things like losing your freedom, the unknown, what's going to happen in the future, pain and sickness. Some people are very afraid of that. Disappointment, perhaps misery. Loneliness, ridicule, rejection, death, and failure. And perhaps there are some people who are sitting in this room right now who have some worries, some fears, and they're not sure about what's going to happen down the track. But have you ever heard of somebody being afraid to follow Jesus? I've just been back in Mongolia. I was there for the month of June. And uh, I got to meet uh, a lot of different people. And my wife said to me, Jeff, you're going to be busy there meeting lots of people, but whatever you do, you must meet Ottentoya. If you can't meet somebody, you've got to let, you know, let some appointments go. Whatever you do, don't let this appointment go. You've got to meet with Ottentoya. Mark knows Ottentoya. He was one of, she was one of his teachers in Mongolia, as she was one of mine. Ottentoya was one of those um, ladies who, who uh, in my very early years in Mongolia came, when I couldn't speak any language, she, I used to organise a volleyball competition, because that was one thing I could do without language. And we had expats who came, uh, we also had the house church pastor who came, who was Mongolian, and the goal was to invite these people along and uh, to have a good time with volleyball, and then to invite them to the house church, where the house church would share the gospel with them, and they would come to the Lord. And so Ottentoya was one of these. And she came, she played volleyball, she came to the house church, she heard the gospel message, and she became a Christian. And she was baptised. And we were like, woohoo, praise the Lord. But you know what? We never really saw any spiritual fruit come from her life. Going down the track a little bit, uh, she had to have open heart surgery. This is some years later. And uh, she, in, before she went for this uh, big surgery, she went and visited a, um, a Buddhist monk. And she paid him a lot of money to receive a word from him, a blessing, if you like, from him. After that, she went to a shaman who was like a witch doctor in Mongolia and paid him a lot of money in order to get a healing blessing. And then after that, she came to my wife and I <laughs> and asked us to pray. And so we said to her, look, <laughs> you, you just can't put Jesus on the end of, you know, Buddhism, shamanism, and then Jesus. It's all or nothing. Jesus or nothing. It, it, the Bible says that God is a jealous God. Yeah. And you just can't, you can't yeah. be, it, it's 100% Jesus or nothing. Yeah. And 
you're, if you're dabbling in all these other things as well. And in the mission world, we call this syncretism. When you add Jesus to a long line of other gods that you have in your life. So now, trekking forward to June, I met with uh, into it, And I, we got talking about everything. Family, all these other things. And then finally I came, I said, how are you going spiritually? And she said to me, you know, I don't have any religion anymore. I don't follow, I don't visit the Buddhist monks, I don't go to the Buddhist temple anymore. Nor do I see a shaman anymore. But she said, nor do I follow Jesus. I, I, I don't follow Jesus. And I said, what? Really? Why? What happened? She said, you know, I am afraid to follow Jesus. Inside me, I'm going, like, how would you be afraid to follow Jesus? Like, he's the most awesome thing that, that they ever could be. But Adam, I said, why is that? And she said, it's just that when I saw the Buddhist monk, if he gave me a, um, in, in English they call it amulet, I believe. He gave me a lucky charm. He put this thing around my neck and he put one around my ankle. And, I, and I'm afraid, and I know now that if I follow Jesus, it has to be 100%. And I know that if I follow him, I have to chop these things off. And I'm afraid that I'll die if I chop them off. Now, does that sound dumb to you? I mean, to me, it sort of sounds dumb, right? Cutting off a lucky charm. How in the world is that going to make you die? And yet, she had a tremendous fear. She still does of, of that. I wish I could tell you that immediately she chopped them off, but she didn't. But, you know, to us, it sounds dumb that somebody would be afraid or fearful of a lucky charm like that. In Isaiah 44, it tells us about idols and these sort of things and how dumb and stupid they are. And us in the West can believe that. You know, it says that a craftsman chops down a tree and then he uses half of the tree to burn in the fire to keep him warm. And the other half, he halves into an image to look like something, a god. He makes it with his own hands, and then he bows down and worships this detestable thing. And then he puts it in a shrine. And this thing, it knows nothing, it understands nothing. Its eyes are plastered over, it, it, it's worthless, it's meaningless. And yet, people all around the world worship these things, and they fear them. They fear them greatly. When Ottenberg told me this, God gave me a word to speak to her. And it's amazing how when we do our quiet time, God uses something we read in the morning to be able to share with someone in the afternoon or the next day or sometimes too. And that morning I just read the passage in 2 Kings chapter 6 where Elisha was in trouble along with his servant. Now, I'll give you the background of the story. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to tell it to you. So the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And he, he was constantly wanting to set an ambush against the Israelites. But Elisha, who was the prophet, every time the king of Aram set an ambush, the uh, prophet Elisha would go to the king of Israel and say to him, Hey, king, um, the Amorites are down there and they've just set an ambush in such and such a place. Whatever you do, don't go there. 
And so the king of Israel would always know where the ambushes were laying. Then one day the, the king of Aram mustered all of his officers and he said to them, which one of you is the traitor? Which one of you is telling Israel where I put my ambushes? And then one of his officers said to him, no sir, it's not one of us. But in Israel they have a prophet named Elisha. And the very thing you whisper in your bedroom, he tells the king of Israel. And that's how they know where your ambushes are. Yeah. And so the king of Aram, he said to his soldiers, find out where this Elisha guy is. And they found out that he was in a place called Dothan. And so the king of Aram took a whole lot of soldiers, and they all went by night, and they surrounded Dothan. And early the next morning, when Elisha's servant woke up, there, all around the city, were soldiers. Mm. Now, how do you think that the Elisha's servant felt? You reckon he was a bit dead? You reckon he was a bit afraid? He was nervous. He was panicking. He was probably thinking, it's all over, we're going to die. And then he goes to Elisha. And he says to Elisha, Elisha, wake up. Look at this. We're surrounded. Elisha looks out. And what's Elisha's countenance? He's completely relaxed. Not afraid, he's calm, he's in control. And he says to his servant, Don't be afraid. Yeah, that's right. This is in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 16. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more Hallelujah. than those who yeah, are with them. It's true. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And that's the song that we say today. You know, you think you're surrounded, but we're surrounded by someone who's much yeah, greater. And then Elisha prayed, and he said, Lord, open the servant's eyes. And when his eyes were open, he could see all around chariots of fire, the Lord's army surrounding them. Wow. Yeah. And this is the story that I was able to share with Oppen And I said to her, Oppen you can cut those things off because he... God, who is with us, is far greater Amen. than he who is in the world. Amen. But you have to believe in him 100%. Because these things only have as much power as we can. And I took out my mobile phone, which I don't have on me right now. And you know, I said to her, these mobile phones, it's just made out of a bit of glass, a bit of metal, a bit of plastic. And that's the same thing with these idols. You know, they only have as much power as we give them. Those idols are worthless. They're useless. They're made out of wood, plastic, metal, whatever. Yeah. But when somebody gives them power, Satan uses it to influence their lives. An idol only has as much power as you give it. Today, if you're afraid, being sick. Remember, sickness only has as much power as you give it. Yeah. If you're afraid of death, death only has as much power as you give it. If you're afraid of failure, failure only has as much power. 
got me, and I do, I wish I could tell you that she cut those things off straight away, but she didn't. But this is the beauty of when you go to a place long-term as a missionary. Had we have left, Mark and I, in those early years, we would have left thinking, I've been taught as a Christian, hallelujah. We might have come here today and told you all the people who came to the Lord. But when you're there long-term and you're trekking with people and you're seeing their ups and downs, you realise, oh, all those years she was syncretistic. Now I know where she really is. Now she knows where she really is. And we continue to pray for her salvation. But this got me thinking, what do I what do you fear? Unstable salary? Health? Death? Loss of a loved one? Being without someone to care for you? Got me thinking, what do I fear? Going back to Mongolia. If in Mongolia I sometimes fear the health department. Being sick in Mongolia is not nice. Children's education, going back to Mongolia, you know, not being able to give the kids the same opportunities that I had when I was growing up in Australia. At our last WEC annual conference, we just had it recently, a couple of months ago, at, mm. at Worldview in Launceston. Our main speaker was Martin Campbell who is the principal of our sister Bible college in New Zealand. And he and his wife were missionaries in Afghanistan for 12 years. Right at the time when the Taliban were at their most influential time. And uh, he said one day the, he knew that the Taliban were going to come to their house. In fact, he said that his next-door neighbours were the Taliban. <laughs> He said outside their house, the neighbor's house, they had these uh, rocket launchers that looked like a pack of cigarettes with the cigarettes coming out. He said from where they were, you never heard the explosions. That, they went off way down, way far away. But they heard the as the rockets were taken off. And he said he knew that one day the Taliban were going to come to his house. And he said he was gripped with fear. He, he knew the things that they could do to him. He knew that they could take away his children. He knew that he could well be killed. In fact, 29 of his close friends died mm. during his time in Afghanistan. And he said that the fear gripped him to the point where he was unable to, um, almost unable to do anything. Yeah. But then he said, God, Now, Martin, imagine that that thing actually happens. What will happen to me? Martin had to admit, God, nothing. If that did happen to my family, you would remain the same. You would not be shaken. You would not be undone. And God said, nothing can separate you from the love. That is in Christ Jesus. And he said from that moment forward, he never feared being in Afghanistan ever again. Because you know what? The antidote to fear is love. 
There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. Okay, now we can think, okay, 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 okay. So I've got to get rid of fear, right? I've got to get fear out of my life. I've got to get rid of it. I need perfect love. Okay, got it. Got that. Okay. But then what about when I'm faced with that scary diagnosis? Or what about when the bills keep mounting up? Or what about when, what about my rebellious moments? Or what about when the coffee pot doesn't work? What about when my husband is mad? Where's what? Who? What is this perfect love? Well, we know when it says there, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. That perfect love is a noun. That perfect love is God Himself. Perfect. Love drives out fear. Before I, just before I went to, the, to Mongolia as a missionary, an old lady came up to me. And she had been a missionary in Japan for many, many years. She said to me, Jeff, there's going to be times when you're in Mongolia when you're going to feel spiritually dry. You're going to feel empty. You're going to feel like you can't do anything. You're going to, there's going to be issues. You're going to be sick. There's going to be times when you cannot read your Bible. She said, at those times, put on worship music. At those times, sing to God. Because you know what? The source of our praise, Mm. even when we're dry, the source of our praise, the one who we worship is Jesus Christ himself. And fear cannot exist in his presence. In his presence, it scatters. Like the night does when the light comes on. And this is a revelation that we need to understand in our lives. Philippians 4, 6-9 also tells us what we should do when we're in a fearful or anxious situation. It says, the first thing we have to do is fix our mind on Him. Do not be anxious about anything, it says, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God who transcends all understanding will guide your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So today, if you're feeling fearful or anxious, the first thing we need to do is fix our mind on Jesus Christ. There was a fantastic movie that I watched some time ago called Bridge of Spies. Anybody watched it? It's got Tom Hanks in it. Look it up. It's a really good movie. And and, uh, it's about this... Uh, the um, Americans had got this uh, spy, I think he was from Germany or Russia, and they also got some American spies, they had caught them. And so Tom Hanks is the lawyer for this, I think he was German or Russian, for this spy. And all the way, several times through the movie, Tom Hanks, who's the lawyer, says to him, aren't you worried? Because this guy was completely calm. And the guy who was captive said, Will it help? <laughs> and several times, he goes, but aren't you worried? Aren't you afraid? And he looks back and says, will it help? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that got me really thinking. Mm-hmm. 
Because when we are living in the palm of Jesus' hands, there is nothing to be fearful of. That's right. And the second thing is, in, in, in that same Philippians 4 verse, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So if you're going through a fearful or a stressful or an anxious time in your life today, first of all, fix your mind on God. Secondly, ask Him to fill your mind with Himself. Do you know why we don't have to be fearful? Because we are in the hands of the living God. That's right. Because we are in a covenant with Yahweh. Do you know what Yahweh actually means? Yahweh means the eternal, yeah. the self-sufficient creator yeah. of all things. Yeah. And when we follow and love Jesus Christ, we are in a covenant with Him, yeah. with the eternal, all-sufficient creator yeah. of yeah. the world. Amen. So we can be completely without fear. Good. We have to understand that we are in the part of these things. Yeah. One of the students at Worldview just a couple of months ago, shared with us. He was coming back from the Philippines on an aeroplane, and he said, in his testimony, he shared, he said, I'm so afraid of flying that when there's turbulence, it just, I'm beyond, I'm beside myself. And he said, as he was flying and there was this turbulence, he, he, he said, God, take away the turbulence. And God instantly put a picture of himself into his mind. And the picture was of the aeroplane going through the turbulence with God's hands around the aeroplane. Mm. And God said to him, I'm not going to take away the turbulence, but I want you to know where you're sitting. Mm. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Yeah. There will be turbulence in our lives. Yeah. We have to understand where we are sitting with him. We don't have to be afraid when we are in the hands of Jesus Christ. When we think about Hebrews 11, and you know, it talks about the heroes of faith. It says, some were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trial of mocking and scourging, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. These were people who followed Jesus Christ. These were followers of Him. How could that, how could listening to this be encouraging words for us? What's going on here? Is this supposed to boost our faith? That if Eva goes to Spain, she could die there on the mission field? <laughs> or if somebody goes to Afghanistan or Yemen? Yes, it is supposed to boost our faith. Why? This is what Willis Dallas says. Dallas Willard, sorry, Dallas Willard says. It can boost our faith. Why? Because, the, because of the nature of God and his kingdom. All his created beings and everyone who trusts in him are in a position to say, let the worst happen. Bring it on. 
I'm sitting in the path of, of God. We're going to pray for Ottenwear in a minute, that she will come to the Lord. We will pray for you guys as well as me, because all of us sometimes fear. We all sometimes worry. And we might think it's strange and even laughable that somebody would be fearful of an amulet, of a lucky child. Ha! How dumb is that? But isn't it just as strange and laughable that we, Christians, who serve the all-powerful God, sometimes allow things to grip us with fear. Isn't that also laughable? Isn't that also Today I want to ask God that he would deliver us from those things that rip us with fear, that prevent us from moving on in the full freedom that we can have in Christ. If you're uncertain about your future, if you're fearful of death, if you're worried about someone you can love, if you're fearful of sharing your faith with your you're facing health issues. If you are losing, if you feel like you're losing your freedom, if God is calling you to the unknown, you know, this is why many people don't go to the mission field. Because of fear. Fear of the unknown. Fear of not having enough financially. Fearful of being sick in a foreign country. We need to be people who know where we stand with Christ. We need to ask Him to open our spiritual eyes as Elisha prayed for His servant yeah. so that we can see yeah. that the armies of God are far more than those little things that make us pray. In 1 John 4 4, it says, He who is in you is greater than God. Can we say that all together? Yeah. On the count of three. One, two, three. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the Can we make that more personal? Can we say he who is in me? Yeah. One, two, three. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Don't be afraid. We have a wonderful, loving, powerful God. Yeah. Let's pray. Father, we just want to say thank you so much. Yes, Lord. That there is no sting in death. That there's no sting in sickness. Lord, that there is nothing that can separate us from your life. Thank you, Lord, that we don't have to be afraid, but that you are with us. Father, we want to bring before you today Otten Toya, who we have shared about, I've shared about. Lord, she's been brought to our attention today, and we don't want to leave this place without praying for her salvation. Today, she yes, is still Lord. wearing those amulets. We yes. ask that she would be, yes, come to that point where she will cut them off, knowing, Lord, that you are with her. We pray for her protection. We do know that Satan is real. We do know that he, to an extent, is, has power. And yet, 
we are in you. We don't have to fear that. So we pray, Lord, that you would bring her to that point of salvation, to that point of knowing you deeply, personally, to that point where she can cut those things off. And we pray, Lord, that she will not die. Yeah. But that this will be a testament. Yes, Lord. Yes. To your kingdom. Yes. Father, we pray for every evil too, Lord, who's going to Spain. Lord, we ask the Lord, yes, Lord. in name of her to be able to oh, go there before this year closes out. Lord, she needs miracles to happen. Yes. Yes. Lord, she's trusting you yes. to provide for her every need as she goes. Yeah. Health-wise, financially, Lord, yes. we pray for her family with releasing Lord, it's not easy to be your family and friends of mine. But thank you, Lord, that she's accepting yeah. the call to go to Spain. And Lord, I pray that you just help us to get behind her and to your responses. Go into things that we Yes. Thank you.